You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney. This is episode 48 of this glorious and illustrious podcast. I thank you all, as always, for listening and joining me for my weekly hour rant session. Uh, you guys know how much I appreciate it, but if you don't, now you know. We got a lot to talk about. We got we got a little bit of Eagles. We got a little bit of Sixers. Simmons showing up to work. Congratulations to Ben Simmons for finally showing up to his his day job. We got a little bit of Phils Dombrowski with his end of season sort of press conference eulogy. He did his own eulogy himself. What we need to do. What the changes we need to make. The Flyers play this week. Season opener this week. Eagles with a big win in Carolina. A victory this is a victory week for us. But it's a short turnaround week. We got a Thursday night football game in Philadelphia against the uh, the reigning, defending, undisputed champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves, though. We got, we, you know, we are not the Eagles. We don't have to start looking forward to and game planning. We can celebrate our win and revel in our win for a little longer than the actual team can. Eagles get it done in Carolina, twenty-one eighteen, very close barn burner sort of situation game. We had to run the clock out at the end. We we were sleepwalking for about 45 minutes of the game, not until the, the Quez Watkins cat, the f- bomb he caught uh, streaking across the middle. It was like a 53-yard yeah, 53 yard catch, which is crazy. If you look at Quez Watkins' stat line, he has three catches for 48 yards, so there's other bubble screens and all the little yards he lost on those other plays. It just goes to show you how ineffective the offense was for a majority of this game and – Thankfully for Nick Sirianni and, and the boys, that kind of gets wiped away and not talked about for the most part because, you know, you won the game and, you know, you, you can't really complain or your complaints your complaints don't hit the same when you win. You know, yeah, we have things to clean up. We need to be better, da, 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 but we won the game, you know. The penalties were still there. The offensive line, again, you know, we got Mylotta back, but they moved him over to right tackle. He struggled. I believe it's Brian Burns who was getting to Jalen Hurts and got a couple free shots at him. Dillard, they had Dillard on the left side. Obviously, I'm going to trust the coaching staff. I saw a lot of people saying, why would you move him? You know, that's his spot. He's the left tackle. But also, I think that goes more to say about the player that Mylotta is. He's more versatile, you know, more able to move position, you know, position and can be competent at least at right tackle. Uh, in that, in comparison to a Andre Dillard, you know, who obviously the coaching staff, and maybe this coaching staff doesn't have the same history with him, but they, I'm sure they know that this guy, or he says, I can't play right the right side, or they've seen from the film, I, I just can't do it, man. It's just not, he, you know, he's not that good of a tackle to begin with, so let's just keep him at the left side and let let him try to at least give us something. All right, so where do I? Where do we go? Uh, you know, we won, so that's that's great and everything. But we let's get a little deeper. Let's let's start peeling back the layers of this. What, what you know, the running game was a little bit better this week than it was in weeks past. I would say, still not running the ball down in the red zone, which I don't understand. Still a lot of gimmicks. Still a lot of bubble screens and plays that are short to the line of scrimmage. I feel like it, you know, and it, it doesn't seem like it works or it's not as effective as it should be. 
So I, I do think you need to be taking shots over the top or at least open up the offense when people are going to play you so goddamn close and you have a guy like Quez Watkins who can beat them over the top. I mean, I, I imagine that's how a situation like ha- like that, what happened at the end of the third quarter happens, but I feel like that should be not a regularity, but that should happen a little bit more frequently given the fact that we can't move, you know, our bubble screens and our slant routes and our RPOs aren't, aren't hitting the way they should be, you know, early on in these games or, you know, 30 to 45 minutes through a game. It eventually take, you know, we eventually take a shot over the top and, and it hits. We, I just think we need to mix more deep plays in, more run plays in. The offense just needs more. I guess, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is like the offense, it, it's very predictable. There's no surprise element to our offense. You know exactly what you're getting when you come to play the Philadelphia Eagles. It's going to be a lot of those bubble screens and, and little tight end screens, and maybe they'll run a, a little pass to the running back every once in a while. But for the most part, you're not going to get beat over the top. You don't really have to worry about it uh, or you know be stressed about it. Maybe a Quez Watkins here and there. And you see we've been able to hit big plays, and I think that's from the fact that the, you know we maybe lull these teams to sleep and then hit them over the top, but... When you have three points and six points, you're losing 19-6 or 18-6 or whatever, the 15-6, I believe. It was, it was just an ugly, ugly game, ugly score. We take a safety at one point off of a Kelsey, just snapping it right over. I mean, you know, you, you, got, you complain and talk about whose fault that is, but it's just, uh, you know, coaching, everything. Kelsey hurts, Sirianni, everyone to blame. Greg Ward takes the pass interference on the pick play. Takes a touchdown off the board that killed us again. It just seems like this team gets touchdowns taken off the board week after week after week. We keep running these pick plays week after week after week, and nothing changes week after week after week. I, I don't get. I, I just like he kind of said I need to do a better job of teaching the technique, and, and you know he's playing, talking about a game of chicken. You need to get out of the way. It's that simple. The, the, Devontae Smith beat him one hundred percent off the off the line. You just need to act like you're running that route. And try, you try try a little bit to avoid him. He's saying that the defensive back lowered his shoulder, but Greg Ward did as well. So you need he needs to get out of the way. He needs to know what to do. That needs to be taught better. He's one hundred percent right. But we need to make sure we're teaching it. You know, teaching the right thing. Because it sounds like you know these guys are doing what the you know week after week after week. If you're telling these guys to do it a certain way and they continue not to do it, maybe you're not teaching it the right way. Maybe, maybe it's your fault that they, they continue to lower their shoulder or make contact with the defensive back when you know they're not supposed to, and they need to avoid contact at all costs, especially down there in the end zone. Your guy already hasn't beat. All it needs to do is disrupt his path for a couple, like a millisecond, and Devontae Smith or whoever that wide receiver is running that slant can easily get open. But no, you know, it was another ugly, ugly game. The team looks like a, a, a first-year head coach making mistakes, sloppy play, uh, a game plan that's not really concise and you can't really understand what the the goal is or what we're trying to do. And, you know, we kind of got lucky with a a pump block by, I don't know if it was TJ Edwards. Sean Bradley picked it up, I know. Two rushing touchdowns by Jalen Hurts at the end of the game. It was nice to see a little bit of, little bit, you know, read option or just, you know, a little bit of run play, a, a design run play down towards the goal line. You know, I still don't like the option sort of thing, and I would like to just run the ball because you saw when they actually ran the ball with uh, Miles Sanders, at, you know, at the end of the game, and they were able to get yards. 
I'm not saying you're going to be able to do that all the time, but you need to mix that in. Maybe you run out of that formation and have, you know, Hurts pull it, roll out. You know, maybe something's open. Maybe people are selling out for the run. We just, there's no creativity. Like, it's just all the same. It's very bland. It's very vanilla. It's very predictable. Our offense needs to change. It reminds me way too much of that Chip Kelly offense where we'd run the same five five to six plays. It's like you play someone Madden, they find out what six or you know what couple plays work and they just alternate them. They go back and forth, back and forth to whatever play works and hopes hopes you know, hope that, that gets them through. This is the NFL, bro. They they they've seen all these plays before, they've seen every trick that you can pull. They're gonna try and you know, and if you're gonna kinda pull only four to five tricks each game, they'll be able to focus in and, and Lock in on a couple of those, you know, a couple of those said tricks. Maybe you're not going to be able to get them bubble screens. You're not going to be able to run those little, you know, pitch option sort of plays. And it just, yeah, that that's that was my biggest like uh, negative takeaway or concern was towards Sirianni and just the the with the way the offense looked for 45 minutes of the game. Brutal, absolutely brutal. Mistakes galore. Penalties still all around. We're not, you know, we're not gonna. We're not going to beat really good teams that way. We got lucky as hell in Carolina. Lucky as hell. I know you all out there were ready to put them in the grave and, and one and four and it's over. Absolutely done, you know? But they, they respect to the Eagles, respect to Jalen Hurts, respect to all of them for fighting through to the end and, and getting the win. You know, you, you and I haven't even talked about the defense. Unbelievable. I'm sitting here ranting about the offense for nine minutes. Defense played awesome. Awesome. Chubba ran for a little bit. But that's kind of our, our philosophy. You know, we like we were going to let you run a little bit. We are going to let you run a little bit. But we did a way better job of not only turn, I mean, turning the ball over, but just getting stops on third down when we really needed them, you know, especially towards the second half of the game. We were really able to hone in on, I mean, Sam Darnold, you know, he used his legs a couple times. But we, I think we did a real good job of just stay, the defense at least kept us in that game for, you know, as bad as the offense was and only scoring six points going into, I believe, the very end of the third quarter. Yeah, it's a, J, a Jalen Hurts rush up the middle with eight seconds left in the end the quarter, you know. So it, it, we were able to turn that drive around real quick. And then they score again towards the end of the game. It was just a you know a great performance by the defense, especially man. And, and the Jalen Hurts seems like the good thing about him is he he is a big big time player. I would say when when the game towards the end of these games, it seems like he has has a little bit of a clutch gene in him where he he kind of you know his game. I I don't I don't know how to explain it, but it just everything looks better. He makes quicker decisions. He tucks the ball and runs when he needs to, which I wish he would do a little bit more of because it seems like he or the coaching staff or whoever is to blame for this, there's a little too much of him standing in the pocket and trying to beat people with his arm, which he eventually will need to do that. But it again, when you are not worried about him running or you're just leaving him in the pocket and trying to let him beat you with the arm and, and there's no, they keep running the same plays over and over again, pretty easy to stop, you know? But when he at the end of the game, starts to tuck the ball and run, that's when we have the most success and when our offense looks the, you know, the best and it's harder to stop because you're adding different dynamics that the defense isn't ready to fucking stop or can't stop. You know, well, I just talked about it again. I can continue to talk about it, but when you make it easy and easy and easy, you know, continue to run the same play over and over and over again. 
Big play slay, two picks. Steven Nelson with the game-clinching pick. And the birds get it done, man. So, you know, I gave you my negativity. I'm, I'm happy in the end. Win is a win. I, I don't know how what that translates to this Thursday. For our defense, they're going to get tested again like they did against the Chiefs. They obviously have, did not pass the Chief and Dallas test. The Kansas City-Dallas, the Cowboy-Chief test. I don't know why I said that like six times, but... Uh, I'd be curious to see the defense, what the defense is able to do. I expect a lot of Leonard Fournette. What will Slay look like against a Mike Evans? Will Gronk play? I doubt Gronk's going to play. Something tells me, I know the original report said that he would probably be ready to go by this Thursday, but doesn't look like he's practicing. You know, you puncture a lung, crack a couple ribs. It's only week five or six. I don't really see the reason to rush him out there if I'm the Buccaneers, if we're really trying to win a championship and trying to go deep into January. This game, in, I think we can win this game in Philly without Gronk if we absolutely have to. Brady dealing with a little bit of thumb, so maybe maybe our defensive line can get to him. I think that's our only hope. I doubt it. We are seven-point underdogs at home. It being a Thursday, I don't know if that helps or hurts us. We will see what a Nick Sirianni team looks like with a shorter sort of preparation period. I, I I don't know what this offense is going to be able to do. The de- a couple, you know, Levante David's going to be out. They, the defense is a little banged up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I, I'm I'm not going to say that I, I you know I'm in here rah rah and pounding my chest saying the birds are going to win, but I do feel better than I did last week. That's for sure. And I, I do I think that's a good thing. We I talked about this on here. We need to see progression from both the quarterback and and the uh, head coach. We need to see that we're learning from our mistakes. We need to see that we're getting better each week and, and we're just developing our skills, and especially Jalen Hurts. I mean, you know, you're a head coach. You're, you're Nick Sirianni. You're just learn, kind of learning on the fly and learning the job. Same. I mean, I guess you could say the same for Jalen Hurts, but, yeah, and, you know, Sirianni just needs to get better at his game plan. J, Jalen Hurts, I, I don't really – I mean, obviously he needs to be more accurate down the field and – his progressions and whatnot, you know, I obviously we could sit here and complain about both of them all day long. And I, 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 I'm one of those people, but why bring so much negativity on a victory week on a victory Tuesday and Monday and tomorrow, guess what? We'll be victory Wednesday. So I'm rooting for the birds on Thursday. I, I, my prediction is that they lose, but it'll be close. I think they, they might cover, they might cover. Tampa put up a million points against Miami this weekend, so maybe there's a little bit of a letdown. Hoping, 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 hoping. Yeah, but I, I just I, I think the team could keep it close. It just depends on if we if we come prepared, if we if our defense is you know if Slay and them are able to keep those wide receivers at bay, if we can keep the passing game at bay, can we get to Brady? Can we make him get the ball out of his hands quick? All that, all that would be a key to a win and a key to any win for our defense at all. I do expect them to run, be able to run the ball against us because it seems like every team has been able to find some version of success running the ball against us. I am, you know, moving to the offense. I will be curious to see what kind of game, not only game plan, but how prepared they are for Thursday night, like I said, being a short week. Will Sirianni run the ball to try to keep it out of Brady's hands? Try to run a little clock? Keep it out of Brady's hands, man. It's not a bad idea, but easier said than done. 
I'll be looking forward to the game on Thursday. I will have a podcast come out on Friday. We will talk mainly about the birds and break that down. We'll talk a little bit of football on Saturday and Sunday. Obviously, we'll have the Hot Take Hot Box Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast on Wednesday to talk about the Fury fight. Wilder, UFC, still give our picks. You know, you know, we, you know how we do. We do it every week. But I did want to keep it moving. Good luck to the birds on uh, Thursday, though. I, I am looking forward to that. Trying to think if there's anything I missed Eagles-related. Dallas Goddard on the COVID protocol list, so he will not be able to play on Thursday night. That's not good. We seemingly need every weapon we can get. I did want to say it was good to see a little bit of running the ball from Sirianni. 11 carries for Sanders, but I obviously want to still see more. And if they're not going to use Sanders, I think they should just trade him. Same way I just think they should trade Ertz and all these different guys. Saw a website today drop an article about us trading for these different wide receivers and all things we could trade for. No, I I highly doubt that that's an idea or a thing we should do. Let these guys develop, just you know, continue to grow. I think you maybe next year go go out and get a one of those wide receivers that could be available. I don't know. Um, you know, people are talking about the Browns wanting to trade Odell. I'm not saying I want him or we should do that. I'm just saying, you know, I think if you you see what Jalen Hurts is and you think you you need, you know, obviously we're going to need weapons at a certain point. We we, we don't think. That Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith are going to be the end-all, be-all. But right now, it's not necessary, in my opinion. And that'll about wrap it up for the Birds. Let's get into a little bit of the games from Saturday or Sunday. Speaking of Saturday, Alabama went down. So did Penn State. Ha-ha. And Notre Dame won. So I think it was a good week. Jets. Oh, yeah, there you go. We had a London game this week. Falcons got it done against the Jets. Uh, this is kind of kind of a boring sort of schedule. I mean, Saints got it done against the Washington football team, who are very bad. Defense was completely overrated. Packers and Bengals in a field goal fest that you know the opposite of a field goal fest, a field goal brick fest, where you know Mason Crosby and McPherson, I think his name is, or whatever the fuck the dude name name is in Cincinnati, went back and forth having opportunities to win the game, and they couldn't get it done. Eventually, the Packers drive down the field, put Crosby in position, and he finally buries a 40-yarder to win the game in overtime. Lions lose another close one. Dan Campbell cries afterwards. Uh, yeah, heartbreaking for the old uh, MCDC boy. Broncos fall short of the Steelers. Broncos have shown to be a little bit of fraudulent after a soft uh, beginning of the schedule. Steelers are not dead like everyone wanted to claim Juju out for the season, though, so we'll see what the Steelers do next week. I believe they have a matchup on Sunday night against the Seahawks, Geno Smith and them boys. So that's a little bit, you know, a little fascinating. Titans and Jaguars, you know, another Derrick Henry goat performance, just ran it right down the Jacksonville's uh, throat. No wide receivers for the Titans. Uh, You know, A.J. Brown was back, but, you know, still scored 37 points, but you got 197 from Tannehill. Just tough to have, you know, I I always think of things from fantasy-related when it's not the Eagles. It's tough to have a guy on, on, on that offense that's not Derrick Henry when the quarterback is you know seemingly that incompetent at you know producing big offense. I'm I, I'm not saying he's a bad like quarterback for their team. He probably doesn't make a mistake and just does what he needs to do to get wins. But Buccaneers, like I said, smoked the Dolphins. Absolutely smoked the Dolphins. 45-17. Patriots in an absolute uh, barn burner. 
barn, barn, burner. 25-22 against the lowly Houston Texans. Game of the week was Chargers-Browns back and forth, 47-42 finally. Austin Eckler with a shit ton of touchdowns. Mike Williams with two touchdowns. Baker looked good to everybody but Odell. So uh, that, that was a great game for both teams. Kind of a situation where, you know, you, you hate to lose it, but you, you really, you, you, you know, your defense, you're mad at both your defenses, but you can't be mad at the same time because these are two of the best teams in the league. That could be a AFC championship situation if, you know, no, not, not, not necessarily, but these two, you're going to see these two in the playoffs because the Bills are the best team in the AFC. You can't have an AFC championship uh, potential or, or scenario in your head without the Bills actually being in there. Chiefs, is, it's crazy the way the Chiefs have fallen off, but Cowboys get it done against the Giants. Easy game. Cardinals stay undefeated against the 49ers and Trey Lance. Bears beat the Raiders, and then Gruden steps down afterwards. Uh, wiling out in emails, man. Uh, that you you can go ahead and read all that stuff. I can't. I ain't repeating that on here. But he said some crazy shit in emails, and he didn't want to be a distraction and just stepped away. Easy to do when you have millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. So uh, it's probably the end of Chucky and John Gruden. Crazy to see the way you know the way that went from NFL or from Monday Night Football. Everyone loves him. You know, he's, oh, he's funny, he's chucky, he's, you know, hardcore, and I'll tell you what, man, you know, and now it's, he is persona non grata, I believe. If I don't even know what that means, but I hear people say that all the time. So he is uh, public enemy number one now, and rightfully so. Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. I already kind of talked about this. CEH got hurt. That, that was pretty, he's lucky he actually didn't get more seriously hurt. Game was a little bit of a rain, rain delay situation. Josh Allen just unbelievable. He outduels Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes did not look good. His offensive line was not well, not even bad. I mean, he had plenty of time in, in situations, but that Bills defense, they're just tough. With a combination of Josh Allen making those plays that he makes, hurdling guys, running dudes over, fitting these passes in, has an absolute cannon for an arm, and then you got your the defense on the other side whose defensive line is so stacked and they have Tredavious White back there fucking playing cornerback you know shutting guys down and the whole the whole team is just unbelievable then you have Matt Milano out for this game who who's pretty ridiculous Jordan Poyer is laying the wood on people they they're just a tough 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 defense and that is the one thing as an Eagles fan that I always not necessarily regret or I know you know I just wish we would have not given up on Sean McDermott the way we did. And I wish there could have been a situation where Sean McDermott could coach the Eagles. You know, I I'm pretty sure there was where we were interviewing him and we just turned it down. We didn't want nothing to do with it. That saddens me because that guy is a great defensive mind learned from, you know, the 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 legendary Jim Johnson and and you know Andy Reid and he was there for the glory days. So I just you think if you you know these Jeffrey Lurie guys and the you know Howie Roseman if they really want you know a, a true blue you know Philly guy or or a guy that they you know from their system and of their belief and of their culture you know their football culture which is whatever the fuck that is then they should consider a guy like Sean McDermott to be your head coach but hey coaches defense you know so it doesn't really mean nothing to them. No, do linebackers or anything, you know? It just whatever. If our defense gives up 35, I'm going to be mad at our offense for not scoring 40. 
It's the city we live in, you know? They uh, talk about being so, more disconnected from your fan base than anything else. We, we, we love, you know, not, not that we, everyone loves offense, but our city would love a hardcore hit you in the fucking mouth defense the way we did when we had Jim Johnson. So we, we, that's, that's a tired old uh, uh, talking point and whatnot, but it still remains true. And it, does, it doesn't change the fact that it's true just because a ton of people have said it before. And last night, Lamar Jackson was phenomenal against uh, Carson Wentz's leg Colts, who was also phenomenal. Their offense looked great. Looks like that's starting to come along, but they're 1-4 and four now, as are the Miami Dolphins. The Eagles are 2-3, and three, so our picks are still all in the top 10. Hopefully, I don't think we'll have to worry about Miami. I think Miami's pretty bad this year. And hopefully the Colts win a couple of games to keep Carson in, in the action. He's played 99% of the, stat, uh, the snaps. Uh, I saw a number saying that it is 30% of the projected snaps for the season. So we are, you know, a little, almost a third there. We, we, we hope to get that 70, that 70 per 75% if they don't make it playoffs, right? It's whatever, or 70% if they do, whatever that number may be. I hope we hit that threshold and I don't honestly care how well or bad he plays. It doesn't truly matter to me so long as he stays on that green field and continues to rack up those snaps. Let's keep it moving, ladies and gentlemen. The hot take, hot box train always keeps rolling. Sixers are about to start in the near future. It's not this week, but next week. But, you know, they are never one for to be shy about the news and to be in the news. Ben Simmons magically returns with no warning or... Uh, without apparently the Sixers knowing or even his own representatives knowing, it seeming it seems like whether that be true or not, you can believe that or, or not. That is totally your choice. I don't know if I necessarily believe it. I'm not going to tell you what to believe. But, you know, now I'm seeing articles, you know, Simmons, Embiid. Six, Embiid and Sixers teammates prepare for Simmons' return. It doesn't need to be awkward. There's a quote from... from uh, Joel Embiid, I personally haven't talked to him since the season ended. Obviously, I tried, but it wasn't successful, as a lot of teammates have. It's unfortunate the whole situation happened, but we're a better team with him on the floor. I think that's always been true. That's that's May, by the way, coming in there. Back to Joel. I think there are going to be some adjustments, but it doesn't need to be awkward. That's where that comes from. Embiid said, we are professionals. We want to win. I want to win. He gives me the best chance to win. I think it should be us there, Joel, if we're not worried about, you know, I guess if you're talking about yourself, then yeah. He gives me the best chance to win, so that's what I'm going to work with. Or I'm, that's what I'm going to go with. I guess so. You know, fuck that guy, but he's a pretty good basketball player, so let's keep, you know, let's keep an open mind. But as far as coming back and all that, we've made a few adjustments, and he's just got to come in and buy in, and we're going to be fine. Last year, we were the number one seed. You just got to buy in, and we're going to be fine. That's true. That's 100% true. Uh, you know, look, it is good to see Joel kind of take over the leadership role and, you know, not the, you know, sort of the men fences, uh, you know, we can make this right sort of situation as opposed to being petty about it. Because uh, he has every right to be petty. I'd be upset, man. Uh, you know, my feelings would be hurt. But, it, like, you know, Joel's right. It is a business. We do have a job to do. And we need to do it. And, and if you're going to be here and help us, you need to buy in and we'll, we'll be fine. And he is right. He's 100% right. And 
You know, the Sixers were like, you, you read the Woj stuff. The Sixers were unaware Simmons was flying into Philadelphia today, sources. You know, this is from sources, guys, all right, whoever they are. The organization was in constant contact with agent Rich Paul, but Simmons simply showed up at the arena to take his COVID test prior to Sixers' net step, and that's what team officials, that's when team officials knew he was in town. So this guy's rolling around like Omar from The Wire. No one knows where he is or, you know, who, who he has allegiances to or what's going on what his plans are, what he wants to do. He just rolls in like a goddamn, you know, like a savage and just says, give me my goddamn COVID test and where's my check? Basically, you know, because if, if he was getting paid, he would not be here. Make no mistake about that. He would never have shown up. He, he would not have cared about anything. I believe this is another quote from Embiid down here that I'm reading in this article. I'm trying to keep everybody focused. Yeah, this is Embiid on Monday. I'm trying to keep everybody focused. I'm focused on basketball. I'm focused on whatever we have here. Whatever's, whatever we've been building, guys that come in, there's going to be adjustments and stuff, but everybody has to buy in because if one or two people don't buy in, you have no chance. And he's right. Absolutely right. Anyone who's been on a team knows, you know, everyone must be pulling in the same direction for the team to be successful. Once there are a few, one, two, three, maybe that souls that start to worry about themselves or worry about a goal that is not the focus of the team that's when you start to see you know negative results and teams not be successful the way we haven't been successful in the in the last couple of years you know and and specifically the playoffs with Joel and Ben together so he is right about that we just need to buy in and believe that we have a chance to win, which I believe with the group that we have, and you know obviously him being back, I believe we have a chance to win. That's absolutely true. Yeah, he's saying exactly what he needs to say. I don't have any bad blood with anybody. Ben is a great guy. This is Isaiah Joe. Ben is a great guy. He's still a friend of mine, so whenever we do see him, I'm going to greet him like anybody else would, Joe said Monday. Hopefully we can get him back on the floor because we are a better team with him on there. Yeah, you know, I, I like how they're trying to smooth this over and, and at least m- make him feel comfortable in coming back. The most important thing is f- is just for us to stay close with each other. This whole process has made us come together a lot a, a lot better between each. Wait, this whole process has made us come together. Has made us come together a lot better between each other. It doesn't make any sense. This just shows we can't be spread out on islands. We have to be together and be one unit. I think it shows even on the court, that we've learned to adapt. I think what everyone's saying is you need to buy in. You know, it is not lo- no longer about you. We are a team. We need, to, we need to go as a team. We need to worry about the team. We need to focus on what's best for the team. And if Ben's going to come back, he needs to fit in and be a part of the team. No one has ever denied his abilities or his ability to help this team win games, especially in the regular season. But we, you know, we we all we, we talked about it at nauseum. It has run its course. The best for both case or for both sides. Come, wait wait a little bit into the season. Let the season play out. Maybe as we as we Sixers fans have talked about, maybe a little slow start in Washington or a slow start in Portland, and, and some people's minds get changed and and. Want they guys want to be traded here or there, or they they're going to try and force their way into a Philly situation to play with Joel? You know, you never know. Maybe something opens up, or a situation could 
help us. I mean, Kyrie is still not uh, able to practice with his team or participate in games, or they are not going to help him out. Basically, is what they said today. So maybe maybe we maybe our two situations could link up at some point. I I don't blame anyone for not wanting Kyrie. I would love the Kyrie, the, the basketball player, but you can't trust him to even show up to work. It's kind of the the problem we have with Ben now. He's he, Ben's not Ben finally showed up to work, but but Kyrie doesn't. I'm not, I I'm about to say basketball isn't that important to him. I mean, it is. It's his job, and he takes it seriously because he's very good and he's very he's all always prepared and his skill set is unbelievable. But he doesn't take it that you know he does. It doesn't matter that much to him. He other things are more important, and he's willing to walk away from the game and put it to the side and go do the things that are more important to him. And if you're running a basketball team, you have to worry about doing what's best for you. And having a guy like that on your team is, you know, who's unpredictable and you don't know if you can trust him or count on him to be there. Not only, not only stay healthy and not get injured and, you know, actually just show up to work when you're healthy, you know, when the games matter, that that's something that's tough to wrap your head around. If you're going to make a trade for a guy like that, so you know that 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 situation is that uh, I've heard Brogdon and Lavert for a, and a first for for Simmons and in, for Indiana. Heard you know it's a, it's going to heat up. It will heat up. He will get traded. I imagine it'll happen before December or or you know or even maybe Thanksgiving. I don't think it'll be that long, but you never know. Th- things things tend to drag on, and a whole leverage game is played back and forth between general managers. And it seems like Daryl Morey is gaining more leverage as the hours and days go on with Simmons coming back and just, you know, we don't necessarily need to do anything will be the uh, the talking point for the Sixers. You know, look, Simmons is back. You know, things aren't great, but we don't need to do anything right now. We're still winning games. We're still successful. But look, he can help your team. I did want to play the, I do have a little Woj clip from uh, him talking to, I believe, Scott Van Pelt about, the what went down with the Sixers and how you know he was how how yesterday unfolded from you know oh we're starting to progress the talks to working around the clock to uh, you know rectify the situation or have a resolution uh, to the situation which always the resolution was basically Ben show up to fucking work that's always been <clears throat> the resolution you know you're a basketball player if you want to be paid you want your job you know you want that money you want them checks show up to work. Plain and simple, but I did want to play this Woj quote on how you know how how yesterday all played out. 76ers talking to Rich Paul, uh, Ben Simmons' agent, about him coming in. Philadelphia thought he would probably come later in the week, and all of a sudden, near the opening tip tonight of that Brooklyn Philly preseason game, I'm told that Elton Brand, who's the Sixers general manager, works with Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, gets a text message essentially saying. Hey, Ben's outside the building. He needs to get in to come take his COVID test. And that's how the Sixers found out that Ben Simmons, after two weeks away in the preseason, had returned to Philadelphia. He took his COVID test tonight, and he is back, uh, he is back with the organization right now. I mean, like, what? Like that, that's crazy. I mean, that guy took a private plane or took however whatever transportation in whatever location he was, whether that be L.A. or whatever, and just showed up outside the arena and just said, yo, bro, I'm outside. Like, I, I you know, I'm Ben Simmons. Let me in. Like, that, 
I don't know. Like, can you imagine what they were thinking? Like, they're in the game, and they're like, yo, bro, Ben's outside. And I'm like, Ben who? He's like, bro, Ben Simmons. Fucking 2-5, dude. I would be like, what, dude? Why? Like, you just show up. Like, I don't. I feel like that's never happened. Like, I don't know. That just doesn't... There's going to be more work. We have to find out the true story or what actually happened with this because something's just not adding up because all those reports are saying basically that they were on, they were in talks with Rich Paul and they were talking to him, you know, nonstop trying to figure out what, how to make this right and to get Ben back. And they were feeling confident and all the different reports that you heard. And then he just shows up and no one knows he's coming. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, I don't know if, like I, I can't. I ha- how do you wrap your head around this? What, what, what is there? Yeah, what do you do? What like? There is a serious, just uh, lapse in communication either between Ben and his agency or the agency and the Sixers. There's just a huge. There's, there, people are on different pages, man. Because we are an absolute clown show right now seemingly when our star player comes back to to the town and he doesn't even tell anyone we got these media jokesters on there every day on espn and all these different uh you know publications and and networks and whatnot talking about how you know oh look at the distraction and this is a toxic environment and oh god philly this is horrible what are the fans gonna do i mean that's a whole nother element he will be booed every time he's he steps out there. He, the whole talk was he doesn't want to face those fans. Well, uh, yeah, if he wants to pay those paychecks, he's going to have to. And Doc was saying he might be able to play in the opener. And that's nuts, you know. Like that's just crazy how quickly this changed in, in about the span of a day or two, especially yesterday, Monday the eleventh. So that quickly. That quickly, Ben shows up outside the arena, gets his COVID test, and he's back with the team. We'll find out what the net, what that actually means. Will he be playing? It sounds like he's going to play. Sounds like he's going to be a part of the team. When does he talk to the media? When they talk to Joel, you know, they're going to questions are going to be asked back and forth. How do they rectify this? Does he ever just get in front of cameras and just? If it just hash it out, I think you're going to have to do a Aaron Rodgers sort of situation where he stands there and just kind of takes all the questions and answers them honestly. Right right or wrong, indifferent, you know, whatever it is, you just got to stand up there and take it on the chin like a man. And if you really feel your way, then just explain it. I think the, the time for uh, reconciliation is way past. I see some Sixers fans talking about how we can get past this or I, I you know we can uh, if he apologizes and shows contrition and, and he, he puts the the snarling nose emojis out with the with the smoke coming out and he he does all this I, I'll let it go or I'll, I'll I'll be willing to accept him I'll never accept him in make no mistake about it I don't care if he shoots 63s I know what's inside that man I know the constitution that that man has inside his body I'm good I am so good on that you can't fool me, man. All right? How about, fool me fucking six times. How many times can you people be fooled? I'm not saying to boo the man every five seconds. Because it, it's over with. You know? It is what it is. The guy's a fucking scumbag. We know it. 
Maybe he comes and apologizes and says, you know, whatever. I didn't do it right. I'll, 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 I'll fucking drop the scumbag. All right. Won't call you scumbag anymore. I'll just say, ah, you know, I don't really like that guy. I don't think that's a guy I want on my basketball team. Which I, I still, you know, to, do believe. I'm glad he's back. It's better for us that he's back. I think I see the argument between people saying it's not good that he's back, and we should just get. I saw Mike Missinelli arguing with Tyrone on uh, 97.5 about. You know, they they should just pay him his money and tell him to go home, and he wants to grow with these guys and whatnot. And I'm not in on that. I do think you need to, if he's, you know, you don't know how long this is going to go. You can't just be paying him to sit at home, you know, for 30 games of the season, and then be be fucked with. You know, if if you can't trade him or you don't, you know. You, I don't know, man. We we have to trade him. I, I, that's not even. I don't even want to go down that road where it's like, oh, if you can't trade him, we we're not not going into the playoffs with him next year. I won't be. I can't get in on that. I don't want to watch anything involving Ben Simmons in the playoffs with the Sixers. I'm not going to get excited. I say that now, but I'll probably be pounding the desk here when they fucking you know when, when the the nose emojis are coming out and Ben's scoring 20 a game going into the playoffs and he's been so aggressive and he's really turned a corner you know in that delusional fucking world whatever wherever that is but we we will see what 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 comes out about this what what the what the new developments are because i really do think that there's a lot that needs to come out star players don't just show up outside the arena for a covid test without no one knowing that just doesn't that just doesn't happen in, in professional sports everyone knows where these people are at all times you know, they basically have tracking devices on these guys, and and for him to just show up at, at Philly, where where I know that man doesn't live, he sold, he's basically selling all of his residences and stuff. So, residencies, I believe, would be the the I don't know, I don't know. Someone get on me, you know, someone get on the horn on that. But, man, I I feel like we hit a lot there. I feel like we hit a lot really quick. We're forty minutes in, folks. I, I again, welcome to the hot take hot box. I always thank you for listening. I did want to talk about what Dombrowski said in his end of season press conference. There, <clears throat> I have a couple quotes that I did want to play here. This one is about the the roster itself, and you know what what he what he the, you know what he see, how he evaluates the roster, what he thinks of some of the players we have, and I guess maybe how far away we are. That's why I think for us, it's not the star factor. We got. I mean. Price Harper's worth the price of admission. I mean, he's he's a star. We got other stars. We've got we the All Star starting catcher. I mean, Segura's one of the best second basemen in the game of baseball. Hoskins was among the league leaders in home runs when he went down. Wheeler, you can make arguments, the best pitcher, one of the couple best pitchers in the National League. Nolo is fourth in the league, I think, in strikeouts. Who cares? Suarez was the best young pitcher in the National League probably this year in baseball. So we've got some stars. But we need to make sure that supporting cast, so it's always not where you're spending just big dollars. We need to figure it out ourselves to, to work that together and put the buzzer. I agree with that, though. He, he, that's 100% facts because it is not always about how you know, that big money is spent. You can have great players, you know, great star players throughout the top, kind of like the way the Yankees do. The Yankees have a ton of money, but the, maybe the supporting cast isn't as good Definitely better than ours, but I'm saying good enough to compete not only in the AL East, but the American League and just with the rest of the league, you know. As Aaron, Aaron Boone said, they've clo- the rest of the league has closed the gap on them. 
Yeah, I think they sure have, Booty. They sure fucking have. This is another quote about how, uh, like, he's happy with the way that, you know, he's not happy with the way the season is. He's not going to celebrate it, but it's definitely, you know, I'll let him talk. You celebrate winning championships. And so it's great. We did it. It's, it's something, but that's not a celebration. That's, I guess that's a small, a small step. Um, I don't know why we can't try to compete for a championship next year with those pieces. I mean, we have to make good moves. You have to make wise decisions. I'm not saying we're going to, but our goal is to try to win. Good. Now, when there's a difference to it, and I and I had told this to John Middleton before and earlier in the season, I said we could win because you know we could have won our division this year. We were four days away from you know we got eliminated on Thursday, right? We could have won the division. Maybe if you win the division. You get in the postseason, anything can happen, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean you and you could win the world championship. I don't you know. Celebrate winning I don't know about all that, but yeah, like uh, you know, you need to be a, you need to be a really good team. You need to have you need to be a legitimately good baseball team to win a championship. Teams that are built like the Phillies have enormous holes, don't perform, you know, in the in the big moments, and, and just have too many just. Like a, like a boat with just just taking on water, too many holes, too many leaks. Can't have a shortstop hitting under two ten. You can't have these pitchers who are just getting blown up in the biggest games of the season. A guy like Aaron Nola, who you're trusting to be your second or third starter, maybe can't have, you know can't be just getting eviscerated in the biggest games of the season. I mean, some of those we've talked about it on here a million times. You can go through each week. We broke all these games down. Or Aaron Nola would give up six runs, and then the team would come back and we'd win. I believe that was against one of the bad teams. The I can't remember right now, but it's not important. It, it it's more about just like I just hope they don't they aren't delusional in, in evaluating some of these players. I don't think he is. I think he's just talking in front of the media, trying to pump up some of these guys. But I don't also think he's wrong though. I don't. I do think they're a little closer than maybe some people want to give them credit for. He mentioned about. Getting a shortstop and getting a big bat in the middle of the lineup, so those two things could coincide with the shortstop class that is available this off season. You know, me and me and, and the team were talking about it. Uh, you know, in the, in the 2021 season half eulogy for the Phils, Trevor Story. That's that's the number one guy we'd want. I'd like a guy like Corey Seager. I would take any of those guys other than Javi Baez. I don't want him, but any of those other guys. Would help this team, even Javi Baez would help this team. But I don't want him. I don't want him. He's got his hands are dirty. You wear that met that met blue. You're a dirty man. You're a dirty, dirty man. Shout out to Zach Wheeler. But uh, we can make exceptions. But not for Javi Baez. Not not for Javi Baez. But uh, okay. So you know we need a starter. We need some some a closer, especially some bullpen relief. We need a corner outfielder. We need a center fielder. So. There's a lot of, of holes that they need to fill, but he's right. If they can get the right players, if they can fill these holes adequately, then yes, they could, in theory, get into the playoffs and compete for a championship. But Braves are about to go to the NLCS, it looks like. Uh, you know, we, we weren't really close to that team. We got swept by that team in, in the biggest series of the season. So I wouldn't necessarily say we're that close, but maybe we're closer than we want to believe. If they say they were to get a big a big bat like that in the middle of the lineup, I don't know who that guy may be. Maybe maybe they steal a Freddie Freeman, you know, which would I mean best case best case scenario for all parties for us, you know, we take t- 
take a, one of the best, the Braves' best player, if not the best, besides Acuna, you know, and put him right in our lineup, make our lineup instantly better. He's he's a little older, but you know, I'm just talking. I'm I'm just throwing shit out there, you know. I don't I don't know what they would do with the corner outfield. I don't know what they're going to do with Hoskins. Boom, you know, like we can talk about this for all day. But I did just want to talk about how Dombrowski gave a little update, saying that he's gonna, you know, he he's he understands the the needs and the holes on this team. And he is going to attempt to at least make this team a winner next year. That that's his goal. He just said that in those clips that I played. So that's good news for us, you know, as fans. Good news for me as a uh, elite podcaster. You know who needs content, content, content. I'm just an enormous content machine, you know. So Flyers start this week as well. Friday night, I believe. Friday, uh, I believe against the Canucks. The Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, so yeah, so Friday, Friday against Vancouver, and then uh, and then we got a game against the Kraken. <laughs> what am I doing here? I don't even know. This accent's changing. Like to, it goes back and forth between Irish and Canadian. But uh, Kraken, Bruins, Panthers, Oilers, and Canucks. So you know, one, two, three, four. That's four of the first four. F- first four games are at home. And then they finally go on the road to Edmonton and a little bit of a Canadian trip. Yeah, and, and Calgary uh, the day before Halloween. So it'll be fun. I am, uh, you know, as, as we've talked about on here, I'm very excited about the Flyers. I, I don't necessarily know if they're going to win a cup, make the playoffs, anything like that. But curious to see what the new look looks like. The defense, the Cam Atkinson. Lost, I, I watched a preseason game the other night uh, against... Washington, they were down, they came back, and then proceeded to give the lead up, but Carter Hart wasn't in, it was Martin, Martin Jones, I believe, so so we will see on Friday what, what, the, what we look like in a legit game with the real squad, I'm excited, I bleed orange and black, I'll be, curi- I'll be <coughs> curious, if that's the word I'm trying to say, curious to see what the goal song is, now... I, l- I like Tarzan Boy and I like this girl. Those are the two I'm going with. The other one I didn't want anything to do with. Not even going to talk about it because I don't want people to get you know get any ideas. Either one of those two, I can see if we make a deep playoff run that Tarzan Boy song hitting hit a different way. But I think you know my my theory on goal songs is they go as the team goes. We uh, people will love any goal song or any win song or whatever song you put to a team that is awesome and fun to watch. So long as those boys are shoving that puck in the net, I'll be all in. I'll be banging on the seats, and I'll be singing the song, whatever that song may be. And you know me, man. I'll be here next week. I'll be here Friday. I'll be here Wednesday. I'll always be here. Hot Take Hotbox, Matt McSweeney. Thank you for listening.